And welcome to Civil Discourse. I'm Jamie Wojciechowski. And I'm Marilyn Brown. And today we are discussing political apathy. And I want to start with a quote by Sherry Arison. Um, The quote is, The good inside all of us is wrapped in a layer of apathy. We forget how much potential we have within us to change the world for the better for ourselves and our children. Um, The reason I want to talk about this topic is because Los Angeles just had um, a special election where 12% of people showed up to vote. Um, yes. And I had kind of mixed feelings about it. I I guess as a realist, I wasn't very shocked. But as um, a hopeful person, I was thinking with the the political engagement we've been seeing in with the Women's March and different movements within Los Angeles, I was expecting um, a bigger turnout and when i was thinking about it what what i know is marches and rallies and protests don't necessarily represent the the mass public um it's a very small minority of people who are actually engaged to that point and what i think this election showed and just what i'm seeing in general is even though anxiety um, around what is happening politically in this country seems to be up, the apathy seems to be growing with it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely see that. Um, Do you, are you, do you know the, the, the numbers in LA on special elections and like years prior, I'm just kind of curious as to like, is that, was that a typical 12% or was it a it little was bit typical. of yeah. typical? I, yeah. Yeah. So it didn't really change at yeah. all this time. Yeah. I mean, it might've been a little higher because what I saw was that it, it normally averages around 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was also a lot of times the special elections are just proposals and very local elections where we had mayor on there. So it was a slightly bigger, bigger election than what they normally are. Yeah. So, so yeah, I definitely think that I, 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 I noticed that as well on, on Tuesday and was kind of, you know, um, as a, as a realist in some sense, not surprised, but also, you know, as someone who, feels the anxiety of the moment and and people's fears and kind of seeing what's going on with the current administration. I I definitely was hopeful that there would be more of a turnout. Um, And I can also honestly say on the day of, I forgot there was an election until almost the end of the day. And I had mailed in my, my ballot and, and, um, but I, and I, I didn't even realize it until I would say it was maybe like six or seven o'clock. And I don't know that that's really, I'm not blaming anyone or saying that there's a specific reason why that happened. Um, other than that, I just, I didn't, I didn't really hear much about it until kind of towards the very end of the day. Um, and I don't know. I I think that's another sign of apathy, you know, that people Mm -hmm. are, are not really, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know if the apathy stems from hopelessness, but I feel a lot of people expressing a lot of hopelessness, kind of the the daily onslaught of um, 
different kind of things happening and coming out of the, the administration with the executive orders and things. People are really, really genuinely feeling anxious, but also I think a sense of kind of hopelessness as far as how they can really affect any sort of change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is what kind of leads to, you know, to apathy, just, well, if I can't really do anything, then I can, you know, I'm just not going to even pay attention. I'm just not going to participate. I'm just going to disengage. Not a conscious process, but, you know, I think that that's kind of some of what I see talking to people about how they're feeling right now. There is definitely an overwhelming sense of um, anxiety and hopelessness for people. Yeah, I see two kind of main branches of political apathy. Um, and I think they're they're connected, but I see a, a big group of people who just aren't engaged. They don't see the, the connection between... They don't see the government's role directly in their lives on a day-to-day basis. They're focused on other things, and they are the definition of apathy. They just yeah. don't care. They don't think about it. It's not, it's not a part of their life. And I think the other group is what you're talking about. Um, and it's, I, I guess it's not actually, it, it, it looks like apathy, but it's mm-hmm. not really. It's this helplessness where people yeah. think this, the government is this giant thing and there's nothing they can do to have a say in voting doesn't matter. And they're, that politicians are in it for themselves and no matter what they do, nothing's going to change, um, right. which leads them to behave apathetically, but mm-hmm. they're not necessarily apathetic to politics. If right. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think it is helpful to kind of distinguish between those two groups. Cause I, I think that there is definitely, um, you know, I see a lot of, a lot of both. And I think that that helplessness, that, that can breed kind of um, more of what looks like apathy is, is kind of more just disengagement, disconnection. You know, when we um, feel like we can't create change or, or, or fix something, you know, as humans, we're, we're good at kind of turning off our awareness to it um, and, and finding other things to focus on. And there's also a lot of other things, you know, for people to focus on day to day and day to day life stressors that I think that it's, very um easy to disengage Mm -hmm. and disconnect yeah and i think it's i've been trying to think of ways to uh, approach people who i i see are apathetic in terms of wanting to be engaged but feeling helpless in advice i can give them and two things it's hard to give advice because even as someone who tries to be as mindful as possible, um, I really have to fight the urge to not be apathetic because I mean, when there is 12% turnout and it, people aren't showing up and people aren't engaging it. I mean, it's hard not to feel helpless and like you can't change things yourselves. Cause it's, it's, it's that balance and that one, yes, one person can't make the huge changes that we want but if all the individuals come together then we can so it's 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 that it's convincing people that 
one, if they rise up and enough people do it together, that they can create change, but also that enough people will rise up because people also don't want to waste their their life. They don't want to be the one that rises up and then no one else does it and they wasted mm-hmm. their life doing this thing and achieved what they feel to be nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And I also think that um, people people need support in rising up and need kind of leadership in, in kind of how to do that. And not saying that there's no leadership, but I think just kind of, um, I think that people oftentimes feel confused as to how to even make an impact or what their rising up even looks like. You know, there's so many different things um, online and different campaigns and petitions and things to get involved in and kind of there's so many different ideas and I think that um and some of them are much more um promoted and much more talked about and so then you see all of the energy go towards a few really specific things but then um there just kind of be a lack of awareness or energy kind of put towards other things and so I think that like people, I think people need some, some more direction and kind of more, um, support in how to, in what rising up actually looks like. Cause I think people really do feel like, um, going and marching is a really, is, is, a, is a way to help and is a way to kind of throw their support behind something, but also not realizing that it's also super important to engage in, you know, the smaller special elections and, and, and finding a way to make that seem just as, you know, interesting, important, you know, I don't know, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but just kind of finding a way to balance out like what we're even talking about as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what what I find to be most effective for me is when I'm engaging specifically with someone who's apathetic, but doesn't want to be Mm -hmm. um or doesn't want is feeling that helplessness but doesn't want to feel that helplessness is i try to make it so many times in the in any political conversation it ends up becoming about two egos and two eyes so one side's talking about well you're not seeing how it's affecting me and the other side's well you're not seeing how this is affecting me or how i think so i always try to make it about the the other person one so there's experiences and connections which I th- see that help people the most. So what I try to do is I'll try to make the connections for them. So the things that they care about, I'll say, well, if you care about civil liberties, whatever it is, these are the different steps that go into actually achieving that thing. So yes, I, and I think a lot of it it's so focused on voting and the, the, the narrative, especially if you're not already engaged. It's all time about, well, you have to show up to vote. You have to show up to vote. And people say, well, I vote and, and nothing changes. And that's such a small part of it. It's these these small grassroots organizations that really start um, most of the change. So that's where I try to get people who want to be engaged but are feeling helpless um, involved because I feel like that's where mm-hmm. the most – understanding of the whole process is cultivated is actually 
going into a grassroots organization. And what I also tell them is to pick, be specific and pick a cause you, you care about. And just because you're focusing on one cause doesn't mean that you're ignoring or hurting all the other causes. Because so many people, the other thing is the, it's helplessness, but it's also being overwhelmed. And a lot, I've talked about this before. A lot of people who talk to me say, well, what should I do to be engaged? And I'll say, well, pick a cause and find a, an organization you can go and, and, and help and, and learn. And they say, well, I, but I, but I care about women's issues. I care about LGBT issues. I care about civil liberties, civil rights, like all these environmental issues. Like I want to do it all. And that's a, that's a lot of issues for, for one person. And, um, and just say there's, there's enough people to go around to cover all those issues. So pick the one that you're either most passionate about or feel like you have the most knowledge about or can do the most good in and right. learn that way because it also is all connected. If you go in with an environmental grassroots organization to try to help stop pipelines, mm-hmm. you're going to learn a lot of things that if you want to then go into a civil rights organization that you can use there. They're all the way the way the process works is is similar through the the different topics and organizations. Right. Because the process for change is pretty much the same. It starts at grassroots and then it has to grow and there's different ways that it can grow. It can go through states, it can grow grow through federally, all through popular mm-hmm. opinion. Right. Well, and I think what what you're really talking about and kind of the the unifying thread that I'm hearing with what you're saying is most effective, which I agree, is that you have to be mindful to do that. And you have to come from a place of of really kind of heightened awareness that I think is really important to to be able to take yourself out of your own self, put yourself into that other person, empathize and and be compassionate and think about what's going to be what does this person need? What's what are the issues that are most affecting them? and, and, And how can I frame this in a way where they'll understand the importance of their own involvement and how they can be effective. It's like, you're kind of, you know, you're having to kind of tailor that response to fit that person that you're talking to. And I think that's a very, um, you have to be pretty mindfully skilled to be able to do that and kind of, and, and relate on that way. And so I think kind of, which a lot of, you know, which are all of our topics go back to finding that, that, place to work on your own mindfulness practice to be able to become more self-aware so that you can become more aware of others in a in a way that's effective and and can help create that change yeah and i think just a a tool or a way to achieve that if you do find yourself getting overwhelmed in any kind of political discourse is before you engage ask yourself why you're engaging yeah and what what you want out of the engagement? Are you just there to to argue? Do you just want to get your point across and not really listen, or do you want to actually have a meaningful dialogue and potentially change the way someone someone thinks or feels? And if if that's your intent is to is to change, you have to. There's two things to that. You have to realize that they may not, and and that's okay. And to the way you engage looks differently if you're actually making it about them and 
and not yourself. And it's, I think another good example is the people in my life who are actually apathetic in that they just don't care about politics. And I, it's much harder to change their minds because they're just apathetic. But what I find effective is that actually showing them the connections in their life. So if you say, well, you need to care about politics because uh, I'm affected this way and you're hurting this person over here. Most people don't hear that. Um, But if you say someone who has a lot of student loan debt, you say, well, if you actually voted for this person, they support this and that affects you. You'll, and you'd have your student loan, whatever it is, your student loan rate would go down and you'd have 200 extra dollars a month to do whatever you want with like those things. They, they see, and you also have to tailor it. Some people are more um, empathetic than others where you might talk to them about what affects them. And they're like, okay, okay. But if you say, but this is going to affect your, your children or your friend, and that's what gets them to actually wake up. So you have to, you have to be mindful enough to make it about the other person and not, not about you. Yeah. And I think that that that's kind of where the the challenge is, is that I think that a lot of times when we're feeling anxious, our anxiety will lead us to want to go and help. But that anxiety is driven from a place of fear based on kind of our own based on our ourself. And so really kind of having to do the work to to shift that focus and be able to make it about who you're going to help, whatever that cause is that you're actually interested in and, and participating in and, and really working on, like you said, um, affecting change. And so you, so yeah, it, but it, it's, it's that challenge of getting out of the kind of the ego space of, of, of feeling really anxious and then wanting to feel better to get some sort of a relief from, from your own anxiety by, by, by getting involved. You know, which again, that's completely human, but that's also when, if that's the driving force behind, um, your involvement, then I don't think that it's actually going to be a really, um, meaningful experience. The other struggle is too, that most people don't grow up mindfully. They don't, they don't grow up learning how to be mindful. And at least in America, I'm going to say everybody, but if not everybody, almost everybody is conditioned to lead with ego when dealing with politics. You, especially now, every conversation is what side are you on and all about your feelings and kind of pushing against the other person. There's very little mindfulness in it it's rarely about actually trying to engage in anything meaningful or come up with um, actual solutions Mm -hmm. and i mean there's many different reasons for that but it it takes a lot of energy to change that conditioning because i even i find it with myself i'll have that i'll go in knowing that my goal is to make it about them and and really try to engage. And if their walls are up and they're coming at me, it takes everything in my being to not let the ego come in and push back against what 
they're doing. And it ta- it takes, I mean, it, it it's hard when the ego naturally wants to engage to just constantly turn it off because you're, then you're doing two things. You're trying to actually have a meaningful conversation, plus you're having to hold the the ego back at the same time. And if you don't have the, the perfect balance in there, one, the, the ego most of the time is going to overpower. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't have, and if the momentum's building in that, what would now be an argument, it's hard to stop yourself and center. Yeah. And, and with all of that going on, that's exhausting. Like that whole process yes. <laughs> is very energetically draining. And so, um, you know, it's important to kind of find ways to refill and kind of recharge yourself because it is tough to, to, to go out there and, and to have these conversations and be mindful and keep your own ego in check so that you can really, um, create some change and, and just doing that work is, is exhausting. And so I find myself, um, kind of going through these spurts where like I'll engage and then I kind of have to like recuperate, <laughs> like mm-hmm. recharge, you know, for a week. And then I kind of get back out there and, and, and try to engage. But I think that it's, it's because it's, it's, there's a lot and, and it can really expend your energy, just that whole process of, um, of managing our own, you know, our own conditioning. Yeah. And it's the, it's the ego aspect. That's the, the draining part of it. Yeah. So if you are in a, a discussion and you're feeling like your energy is being sucked out and you just have nothing left, uh, it, it's most likely that your ego was engaged. Mm-hmm. So you may have been trying to convince them and make it about them, but, you may have lost i mean there's this there's this the part about being mindful and making about them is truly doing that and not everyone is always ready it's like they in in buddhist thought they talk about that the the teacher comes when the student's ready mm-hmm. and that person might just not be ready they might have all this baggage that's just blocking them from where they need to be and if you are just trying to push through it it's going to be draining for you because you're not actually listening to them and making it about them. You're trying to push what you want to do onto them mm-hmm. where if so you were still act- agenda. yeah, if you were actually being mindful and you're seeing that the person's getting irritated or, and, and bothered or can't handle it, you would either change the way you're interacting or step away. Like sometimes some, the most mindful thing you can do sometimes is saying this, this isn't worth it. One for me and right. for where you're at and the conversation isn't going to be useful for either of us at this point. So we'll just step away and hopefully try it again or try it a different way or whatever mm-hmm. that is. But that's how you stop yourself from just being wiped out. Drained, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what, what do you have any, suggestions or or tools for people who are feeling um apathetic and don't necessarily have a a mindful person in their their life that can show them the way i guess (laughs) um yeah i would say if you're feeling apathetic um i would say differentiating for yourself kind of getting curious about that apathy. And so my tip would be 
asking yourself, kind of finding a way to be a little bit more mindful and kind of work on your own awareness about, okay, well, is this really apathy or am I feeling hopeless and I feel like I don't know what to do or am I feeling overwhelmed and I feel like there's too many things to do? So really kind of identifying what what's actually going on for you and, and then um, sharing that with somebody, connecting. You know, I think connection is really, really important and and there's so many different ways that you can connect, whether it's personally with somebody in your life, friends that you like having these types of conversations with and, you know, with and feel like it's a it's a fulfilling kind of positive experience for you and not draining, um, you know, sharing that with someone and sharing how you're feeling and 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 connecting around that. Or um, if there's no one that you personally want to connect with, um, sharing that in other, you know, other avenues, whether it be online or in different groups that you're, you're in. Um, but finding a way to connect around that feeling because you're not alone. There's so many people I think right now that are feeling some form of, um, of what we've been talking about. And so I think that that connection will, will breed more exploration, which will kind of lead to some sort of a change. Um, you know, I, I like to tell my clients the things that, make us really uncomfortable are because we need to do something about it. We need to, to, to create some sort of change. So if you're feeling uncomfortable with kind of where you're at and, and what's going on right now, that actually, um, there's a lot of, of, of change and, and growth that can come from that discomfort if you're willing to like dig into it and, and look at it and learn from it. Yeah, the other thing I would say on top of that, because I love all that, is be mindful of the media you're consuming and i know there's a lot of controversy and a lot (laughs) over the the media and fake news and and all these things and i don't i don't i don't necessarily want to discuss that but the the big where you're getting your media is really going to affect um how you see uh your your potential and just just the world and i'm not i'm not saying just what is being covered it's it's how it's being covered mm-hmm. um, most of mainstream media has kind of a very outside looking in approach to the way they they cover things they don't i'll give i've talked about this before like the, the woman's march most coverage was from helicopters showing how many people there were um that was the vast majority of of the coverage, very few people went in and talked to people and actually engaged in a, in a meaningful way. And it mm-hmm. seems like there's a small thing, but it, it affects the way we see things. If the, if the media we're consuming is kind of this man outside looking in, that's kind of how we start to feel. We feel like we're out outside of it looking yeah. in on, it, as opposed to actually being part of it, where if you're going and looking for media that, is actually engaging with the people on the ground and are in the movements and are talking about how things actually change and talking to the people who are actually doing it, not just politicians who who are quote unquote experts on a on a mm-hmm. on a topic, but actually aren't in, involved in it in any way. They're just giving their their opinions as an as an analyst. It, you're getting two very different messages right. from that. And if you yeah. want to be engaged and you want to to understand you're going to get much more understanding from media that engages as opposed to looks at it from the outside 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love that. I think that's so important. And I, I think it goes back to kind of connection and, and that engagement, um, you know, that when it's kind of that bird's eye view outside looking in media, that's it, it's disconnected. And I think that it, it, it breeds that disconnection within us. And so, yeah, that's a really, really good point. And you, it's, it's interesting because you do see it the, the rare times in the mainstream media when they do bring on someone who's actually been affected by something or who is mm-hmm. on the ground. Um, the, they normally have, it's normally a panel and they'll have the, their pundits too. But notice how it changes the way the pundits interact. The vast majority of the time when it's just pundits, it's... I have my side, you have your side, they yell at each other, Mm-mm. nothing meaningful is t- talked about, it's a bunch of talking mm-hmm. points, and as soon as you insert someone who's actually been affected by it, the way they talk changes, and it becomes, they still they still try to use their, their talking points and not go into anything in depth, but they're, they're forced to actually in, engage in some way with the the issue because there's someone there who's being uh, affected by it it's it's more connected as opposed to two people who aren't affected who have a political agenda and are just saying what they need to say to to push their agenda their point right right (laughs) that's a really good point and even i haven't noticed that but i definitely in retrospect in retrospect can see that that's a, a, a big difference I, I don't um, like see if it. There's somebody there that it's affected. You have to, even if you don't really care, you have to kind of pretend like you do, or at least acknowledge that there's something to care about. You can't just completely invalidate the issue as a whole. Mm-hmm. And you even see it. You see the seeing the disconnect as well. Sometimes helps um, that bring that the awareness and bring more mindfulness. I've seen CNN's been doing all these town halls and you, you see it nonstop where you have someone who's been dramatically affected by an issue and they're talking to a, a Senator who, whoever mm-hmm. Congressman, whatever it is. And they, their, their hearts poured out for whatever happened to them. And you see the, the Congressperson kind of panic at first and then just recite a bunch of the, the same rhetoric. And you see the, the disconnect and yeah that seeing it helps if if you can see it and stop and and analyze it for a minute it helps with the the mindfulness because you see i don't want to engage in those kind of dialogues i want to have a meaningful one so if that's how you engage you're never that connection is never going to be there and when you see it in others a lot of times you can start to see it in in yourself yeah yeah, no, that's a good point. When you were talking about that, it was just reminding me of like the healthcare town hall that I think mm-hmm. CNN had with Bernie um, Sanders and Ted Cruz. And like when the woman shared about, um, you know, how the Affordable Care Act has helped her and she has MS and then Ted Cruz was like, congratulations. And then like kind of went through this whole like canned, awkward response that just felt very, very disconnected. And you're right. You could just kind of, it was almost like a visceral like feeling of like something is off here. Like this doesn't really, this doesn't fit. Um, yeah, just, it's, it's true when you kind of see it creates that cognitive dissonance that I think helps us to, you know, we need that dissonance to kind of question things and, and to, to create change within ourselves. So true. Okay. So I have a little assignment for our viewers and listeners. What I would love everyone to do is if you have a moment to, 
either go on Twitter or our Facebook page and just comment about a, a time you felt apathetic. Um, it could be politically. It could be just it, it doesn't ha- have to be about politics and just what helped you um overcome it or were you unable to overcome it and how did that uh, affect your life just to start a a meaningful dialogue that we don't see really anywhere yeah yeah and and to add to that if 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 you're in it right now if you're feeling apathetic right now and are struggling to get out of it sharing that as well um I, i really would love to hear kind of where um you know what people what people talk about with their own experiences with this so yeah and it's it's a we we say this a lot but it's it's a it's a process i mean i've been practicing mindfulness for a, a decade now and i still i mean i'm unmindful more than i'm mindful still but i mean i recognize it more and more and it's it's a never ending process so if you are apathetic, if you're feeling depressed, if you're just not being mindful, it's it's not about judging yourself or feeling bad or feeling like you're a, a failure or something's wrong. It's just it's a never-ending process, and as long as you're in that process, you're doing the work you you need to be doing. Yeah, totally agree. All right. Yes, this is wonderful. Awesome. <laughs> okay, well, everyone can join us on Facebook and Twitter at Civil D TV. And we will see you next time. See you guys next time. Bye.